we tell them, okay, this can be protected with the trademark, this can be protected with the copyright, and that helps them at least identify everything that they have that can be protected. And that's honestly like one of the first steps to really getting protection is knowing what can be protected. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey everyone, today is going to be a killer episode with my brand protection attorney. You guys, she has a virtual law firm specializing in copyrights and trademarks. After less than a year at a large law firm working with large businesses, Andrea realized her true passion was helping small businesses embrace and protect their intellectual property. She is quickly becoming the go-to protection attorney for modern day entrepreneurs, protecting everything from their brand names to their courses and posts. She is offering an amazing deal on all contracts you need to have for your protection for your brand and online business. You guys are going to love this episode. Hey, Millennial Doc listeners. Okay, so I am freaking out about today's episode because just like you guys heard in the intro, Andrea has been hooking me up with brand new stuff going on and she is the person to talk to when it comes to trademarking and copywriting things online and in your business. I am so excited to have her on here. She is a mom. She travels all around the country doing events and helping people and I just love her energy. She's an amazing attorney. She's super laid back but you wouldn't even know how what an amazing smart attorney she is. She really makes you understand legal things things in your online business when you talk with her. You need to understand how to protect yourself online. And this is why I want you all to listen into today's episode. So let's get into it. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so honored that you took the time and your busy schedule to be on our podcast today. Before I get started with all my guests, I always start with a rapid fire of some quick questions. So my audience gets to know you quickly. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So where did you grow up? Pasadena, Texas. Okay. And then where are you currently? Deer Park, Texas, literally just the next town over. Awesome. And how long have you been there? Right over two years. I was in Kentucky for eight years before that. Okay. And then what's your favorite quote? Everything happens for a reason. What is one of your superpowers? making shit happen. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. And then what, what is one of your favorite books? My favorite books. Oh man. I think honestly, my favorite book is I will teach you to be rich by Rumi Sethi. Okay. Yeah. And who is someone that has changed your life? My husband. Yes, Aww. absolutely. Amazing. And then where did you go to school? I went to college at the University of Pikeville, which is in Eastern Kentucky. And then I went to law school at Northern Kentucky University. Awesome. And then what are you really grateful for today? I am very grateful for being surrounded by so many amazing boss babes, such as you and just everybody else that 
is really, I guess, just in my community, in my corner, and just, I love how everybody's supporting everybody. Yay! Well, I love you. I think you're amazing, and I'm so excited that my Millennial Doctrine listeners will learn more about you today. So I would love for you just to tell us about where you came from, because you weren't always, you know, this attorney working from home, making deals happen and everything. So tell me kind of your journey to where you are now. Yeah, so I actually started my first business in law school. I started an online clothing boutique, and then we just grew really fast, and then I opened a brick-and-mortar store, but also in law school, I scored, you know, the big law job. I thought I was set for life. It, you know, I was, I, I seriously, I got that job, and I just remember talking to my husband, just saying, like, this is it. Like, we're set for life. You know, this is great. And then I started the job and it was absolutely miserable. (laughs) It just, I think I actually scarred myself by opening my own business before having my first real job because that gave me the, a taste of freedom and a taste of the good life. (laughs) And then I went to work for somebody and it just didn't work out. And (laughs) I wanted to serve small business owners. I was trying to bring, you know, a lot of of my boutique clients to the firm, but they just weren't having it. They did not want to serve small businesses. And I, so from that experience, seeing how big firms didn't want to serve small businesses, I knew that there was a hole in the market because nobody's really specializing in small businesses or online businesses. So that's what I set out to do. And luckily I've been able to do that for the past two years is serve small and online businesses. That's amazing. So you're saying in law school, you were doing that, the boutique business or was that or prior to law school? Yeah. I started that in law school after wow. my first, yeah. After my first year of law school. Yeah. I, not that I didn't have enough to do, <laughs> <laughs> but I just threw on something else. Yeah. And you just, you just did it. You were, you seem like you're very, very resourceful. So, and that's, that's an amazing quality to have. So when you made this shift, was it hard? What were some of the thoughts going on in your head? Yeah. So at the time we made like some really big, crazy life changes. So we, I left that firm. We were in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. And that's when we wanted to move back here to Texas. And so I, you know, left the big firm job, moved across the country. We sold our house and everything was just like, it was just like a fresh start for us. And Luckily, I mean, yeah, it was scary because you you always hope that you'll have business, but you're never really sure. Luckily, especially having that community of boutique owners from the beginning, that really helped out. But it was, I mean, absolutely it was scary. But I, I mean, I just always made sure I stuck to my mission of helping small business owners and luckily it's paid off. That's wonderful. No, that's awesome. So one question I have about going, like when you go to law school and the different kind of areas that as a lawyer, like you could specialize in, like in medicine, you know, you go like in a different like specialty or fellowship to kind of specialize in, but how does it work? If you could just educate my audience uh, and, and me, like when it comes to you learn all this in law school, what made you decide to like go into, you know, IP, intellectual property, trademark attorney and copyright and all that. And how does, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so I actually did not take, I took one intellectual property class in law school, but that's it. I actually wanted to be a a tax attorney. So I actually took a lot of tax classes in law school. And when I went to the big firm, 
that I thought that's what I wanted to do, but they actually put me in litigation, which is with, you know, all the lawsuits, like the guys in the courtroom, that's essentially what litigation is. And I didn't want to do that. And they wouldn't, the firm, and one of the reasons I didn't enjoy is because they wouldn't give me the chance to work in another practice area. And then the only reason I actually started practicing trademarks and intellectual property is because of the boutique owners that constantly came to me asking for help because I, I just honestly answered, you know, fill, filled their hole in the marketplace with needing help with trademarks and copyrights. So when I was at the big firm and they would contact me, they wanted help with trademarks and copyrights. So when I went out on my own, I knew that's what they needed help with the most. So I honestly just taught it, taught myself. I taught myself trademarks. I taught myself copyrights. And luckily I've had plenty of mentors along the way, but specifically to answer your question about law school, you don't have to specialize in anything. If you don't, then you're essentially just getting trained for litigation, which is what most attorneys do. Definitely not what I wanted to do. And I have luckily stayed clear of that, but you can just take different classes in law school to get a, and essentially just get a taste of what is in that field, but you don't have to specialize in anything. Awesome. That answers my question. So, <laughs> so basically, you know, you're getting this new business off the ground and you said it's been a little over two years now or? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So then what was the first thing you did to really, and I know you mentioned your boutique, you know, to get your clients, how important was networking at that time? Yeah. So luckily with the boutique that I had, there was a big boutique community and I just started advertising my services to them. And they, I mean, they needed, they honestly, I was like the answer to a lot of their prayers. Mm -hmm. So I remember the day I left my big firm that, cause I had already been planning on starting my own firm and I had been telling people just wait till I'm out on my own, just wait till I'm out on my own to work with me. Not like, don't do it while I'm here at this firm. So I remember I left that firm on a Friday, that Friday evening, I actually posted in like one of the Facebook groups, like, Hey, I'm on my own. This is, a, you know, I'm official. And immediately I had business, which was phenomenal. I mean, I wasn't like blowing up, but I, you know, it was awesome to know that I immediately had business. So immediately I knew that I was doing the right thing. And because, you know, when you're starting a new business, it's always scary. It's scary as can be. But I knew I, I was doing the right thing when I immediately had business. So I knew I was immediately able to serve people. And that's all I've wanted to do is just serve and help the small businesses navigate the legal side. I love that. So how did your, your upbringing or like kind of your parents, how did they, that would, were they helpful with all of this through your journey? Good question. So, okay. So I started at the big firm in October. I remember in January, I called my parents separately and <laughs> to tell them, like, I told them, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to do something else. And my mom 
she was crying and was like, no, you can't do that. And it's so funny because then I call my dad and he's like, well, whatever makes you happy. So (laughs) it's so funny to have like their opposite reactions, but I mean, they've always just wanted what's best for me and they've always just really pushed me to be successful. So like nobody in my family actually even graduated from high school. So I'm like the first high school grad, college, and obviously law school grad. So they've just been really proud of me along the way. And they've been so supportive. Like when we moved down here to Houston from Cincinnati, we didn't have income. So luckily my dad helped us out to, like we had the money, but in order to get a mortgage, you have to have two years of income on paper. And so my dad helped us out and, you know, they've always just been very supportive and motive, you know, always pushing me to accomplish, you know, whatever I want. So I've just been really appreciative of them and always having them in my corner to push me. And I mean, I left home at 18 to go to evolve. I mean, the smallest town in Kentucky and as much as they hated to see me go, I mean, they didn't stop me. So I'm just really grateful to have, have that, have them always be supportive. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, if I didn't have my parents kind of support and encouragement, because both my parents are immigrants and I'm the first physician in my family. So I definitely had that without their unwavering support, you know, I wouldn't be able to go as far as I have. So I think that's incredible. And so shows so much about, you know, how far you've come. So that's amazing. So I would like to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty kind of, of why people are tuning in today to really learn how they could, like, if they have a podcast, you know, how they can protect themselves, just also just nitty gritty legal things with Instagram, with different, you know, captions, photos, and trademarking. So why don't we just pick a topic, like say a podcast, podcast and kind of talk about what what's needed for it yeah good question so what's needed when you have a podcast so a lot of people they think it's a hobby which maybe it is a hobby for you but even though it's a hobby you have to be careful when it comes to the legal stuff so number one you have to be aware of trademarks if you have the same name of a podcast as you know, I don't know, a podcast by Google. Well, guess what? Google's going to come knocking and tell you to change the name. And that's because you're infringing on their trademark, whether it's registered or not. You also need to be aware of contracts. There's several different contracts podcasters need. I don't want to get into too many details, but I mean, you have to have many things laid out in a contract when, especially if you have a co-host, if you have guests, if you have a podcast producer, if you use a voiceover actor, all those things that you may encounter when producing your podcast, you need to have contracts laid out. And then of course, copyrights. I mean, obviously you can't use unlicensed music. You can't use unlicensed recordings from anybody else. So there's definitely a lot of legal protection that goes into podcasting. And, you know, if you're a hobby podcaster, you don't necessarily realize what goes into it. You just think it's a hobby and you neglect the legal stuff. And then you get the cease and desist letter and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is awful. I'm going to get sued. But as long as you protect yourself up front, you'll be taken care of. Awesome. So what if someone asked though, like they've searched social media, they own the domain name, they search Google, uh, you know, are they good to go or (laughs) not really? Well, it's hard to say because when you are concerned with trademarks. Trademarks 
you're not infringing on somebody just when it's the same exact name. You can be infringing on somebody when it's a similar name. So searching all those places is definitely great because it's a good starting point, but it's not enough. So because you could have a phonetic difference, so a different spelling, and you don't find it because you're only looking for the direct search. So I always suggest doing a, an official trademark search which is done with a trademark attorney such as myself. And we look for all those similarities that could be trademark infringement. So you have to find not just, you know, it's the same exact name, that's what you should find, but you also need to do the trademark search to find anything similar that could still be infringement. Yeah, totally. The similar name thing blew my mind when I learned about <laughs> that. So, <laughs> which at that point is like, that's why I need an expert to do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me then about, for example, if someone say uses a photo that maybe, you know, uh, that's yours that, you know, posted on their say Instagram page without like permission, what do they need? Do they need a license? Do they need an agreement via DM? Or can you give like an example of a few scenarios? Yeah, so if you want to use somebody else's photo or if somebody uses your photo, if you don't have a proper license, then it's infringement. And what I mean by license is just permission. So if you find a photo on Pinterest or Instagram and you want to post it as your own, you just need to DM that person and say, hey, I love your picture. Can I repost this? They may say yes, or they may say, oh, sure, $50 for a license. Well, if, even if they just say yes, that's all you need. All you need for a license is permission. Now, it doesn't matter if you use their photo and give them credit. If you don't have permission, then it's infringement no matter what. Awesome. Yeah, that's really important to know because I think some people say, you know, oh, I gave you proper tagging or like tagged you in credit, but that's not true, you know, communication kind of permission, right? Right, exactly. And that's what people I, I hear all the time was like, well, I tagged them. I gave them credit. That has nothing to do with copyright infringement. If you use that photo without their permission, it is copyright infringement. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for clarifying. But if they do use the actual specific like program within, for example, the Regram app for Instagram, that's yes. just an example. If it's within that social media content kind of platforms. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. So the Regram app, that's okay because... I mean, you're still sticking to Instagram's platform and their terms say that it's okay. But if you screenshot it and post it as your own, that's not okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So tell me any story about, I don't know, crazy story about maybe a client <laughs> that maybe stole someone's copy, but didn't know on accident or anything that might, you know, in, prompt someone to be like, you know what, I need to start looking into protecting my intellectual property. Yeah, gosh, there's, oh, I feel like there's so many stories. <laughs> so, okay, here's one. I had a client come to me that they got a cease and desist letter and she was a pretty, she's a big blogger. She has a tons of traffic to her blog, really big on Pinterest. And she had a guest blogger. So not even her own blog. Well, the guest blogger didn't have permission to use the photo that she provided my client. So even though my client didn't go find the photo, it was posted on her blog and she 
you know, she was the one that was holding herself out as being responsible for it. So she got the cease and desist letter. Now she could, I told her, I said, you know, you could go to the guest blogger to be indemnified, which means, you know, have her be responsible, but she didn't want to do that. She, you know, she had a pretty big blog. She didn't want people to do that. Mm -hmm. She didn't want, basically she didn't want to be known as like, Oh, I got sued because I guest blogged on her thing and she came after me for it. So she just took care of it. But going forward, I told her, look, you need to make sure that you have guest bloggers sign an agreement that says you, you know, agree that the photos, the content, none of it is copyright infringement. And if it is, then they have to hold you harmless, which means indemnify. And they, if you, you know, get a cease and desist letter, then they need to pay. So she started doing that, but that's, you know, if you're somebody that is host, you know, posting content from other people because you have permission to do it, you still need to make sure that it's not infringing. Right. That's so important. Well, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) I kind of want to go over some key terms that might be very basic to you, but just to kind of, of course, explain to my audience, you know, what, for example, what is intellectual property? And then like, what is the difference between a copyright and a trademark? Yeah. So intellectual property is basically, well, number one, it's your most likely your brand's most valuable asset. And it's all the things that aren't tangible. So your trademarks, copyrights, patents, those are really the big three forms of intellectual property. And they're things that are not tangible. So a copyright is your content. So your photos, your videos, your blog posts, your long form Instagram captions, your books, eBooks, and then trademarks identify your branding. So think brand name, logo, slogan, your podcast name, anything in your business that has a unique name, most likely it can be protected with a trademark. And then patents, those are inventions. So those are things that can actually be tangible. Well, I mean, they're tangible, but what's protected is not necessarily tangible. Okay. When someone gets started, say they're in your membership, like someone that's completely brand new to even looking at, you know, trademarking anything in their business, what's your process? Like, what do you go about doing with them when they get started? Yeah. So we can help them with their IP audit. So intellectual property audit, we tell them, we dissect their business and we tell them exactly what can be protected with a trademark and a copyright. So everything that they currently have in their business, everything they're creating, we tell them, okay, this can be protected with a trademark. This can be protected with a copyright. And that helps them at least identify everything that they have that can be protected. And that's honestly like one of the first steps to really getting protection is knowing what can be protected. That's great. That's really good to know. And I know that's what you helped me get started with. And it's just really good to kind of, like explain the difference between the different like services, you know, the different goods. And can you kind of go into that? Like why, you know, sometimes there isn't, it depends on if it falls in the same class, correct? Right. Yeah. So I don't want to get too much into that because I can get really confused. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So with trademarks, there's 45 different classes of goods and services. So, and this is why Delta airline can have the same exact name and trademark as Delta, the kitchen sink faucet company. They Mm -hmm. both have federally registered trademarks, but they are in completely different industries. So there's not, there's not going to be consumer confusion. 
And that's why they can both coexist. Okay, it makes sense. And, you know, what I wanted to let you guys know is I really like her because she, you know, most attorneys charge by the hour. And if you email them, it might be like, you know, $250 for an email or something. Yeah. But what I really like about Andrea is, you know, her membership of how she really, she really serves small business owners and entrepreneurs. And you guys should really look into everything that she offers. She, and she has a podcast too. So it's incredible. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. So how do you stay up to date with everything that's changing online? I mean, I'm sure it's, what is, you you know so i honestly don't know i just keep getting like i guess i have surrounded myself with the right people and i just always get notified of like mm-hmm. up and coming stuff all like big issues yeah <laughs> sorry i know it's a bad <laughs> no 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 that's fine <laughs> so what if someone goes to file a trademark they get denied at what point should they change their you know brand or their name or whatever because they were denied? Honestly, that's hard to answer because it's a matter of, you know, why did you get denied? What, you know, is it possible to overcome that denial? It's honestly, I can't even say. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what else did we, I know we talked about podcasts. How about like blog? That would be all under, how, how can you protect yourself with like your blog? So the name of the blog can be protected with the trademark and then as long as it's a unique name and then the actual blogs themselves, the content that can be protected with the copyright. Okay. understand. And then uh, of course, like any course that say comes out within a certain, like say you have one trademark name, but say you have different courses that come out like different names. Do you, do you have to like, is that just one trademark for kind of, that brand, that name, and then there's other ones coming off of it? Or is it good to like, if they're profitable, kind of, you know, get one for each? That makes sense. Yeah, I definitely suggest protecting everything possible with the trademark. So if it it has a unique name within your business, I would protect it with the trademark. Okay. Yay. So, I mean, I could keep on going on and on (laughs) and asking you questions, but tell people where, like, where can they find you and what do you have exciting going on right now? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Andrea Sager law, and we are just now launching the contract vault officially. We are, you can sign up to get the free contract checklist by signing up for the webinar and it's coming up on June 24th and 25th. And the contract vault basically gives you all the contracts that you need for your online business. And it's $99 a month or $7.99 for the year. And you get tons of great stuff. So all the contracts, you actually get access to a members only Facebook group in that Facebook group. We will, I will go live every month to answer Q and a, so live Q and a with a lawyer. And then it will also be teaching a different topic in there every month. So you can actually get like your business legal education because business like my, in my experience, business owners don't get in trouble because they meant to, it was because they didn't know the law. So my goal is by teaching business owners what the law is, then they won't get in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's amazing. And that is such a good deal. Like seriously, $99 a month. Yeah. For tons of contracts. Yeah. Tons of contracts. And and as I understand, they also could, like, as you update them, they'll get access to updated ones, right? Yeah. Access to updated ones, new added contracts, and then we will have more features as well. So eventually you'll be able to customize contracts more right from our platform. 
That's wonderful. So I'm going to like share all that in the show notes so you can check that out. And let me know, Andrea, what is one last thing that you want to leave my millennial doc listeners with? Yeah, just don't be afraid of the legal stuff. Like, I get it that people always think it's scary, but it doesn't have to be if you tackle it head on. Doesn't have to be. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for tuning in today, talking with Andrea Sager. And if you found this episode helpful, tag at Andrea Sager Law and at Dr. Nicoletta and share this episode and we'll reshare you. Thanks so much, Andrea, for being on today. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and Make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.